Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Proverbs 27, verse 17. It says this, it's a well-known text, but it says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Or as it's translated in the New King James, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Iron sharpens iron. And then I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5 to see another well-known text. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. This is part of the first statements of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. It is part of the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so here, in the Proverbs, the proverbial teacher describes us as iron. Amen? That men are as iron. People are as iron. And they ought to be sharpened by one another. And they ought to be iron. They ought to be hard. They ought to be strong. They ought to be durable. They ought to be crafted into something useful, and then they ought to be maintained by being sharpened by one another. And in that way, they are hard and strong and durable. But then Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are the meek. The meek. It can also be translated as the gentle, as the tender, as those who are capable of being incredibly soft. Jesus is described as the meek, and also he's described as the lamb. You could call it wool. Amen? Wool. And I say to you this morning, we need both qualities. We need both qualities. We need to be both iron and wool. We need to both be strong and durable and powerful and able to resist incredible things that come against us, but we also need the ability to be gentle and careful and tender and nurturing. And these two things in our society are becoming increasingly uncommon. We're becoming a weaker and softer, more pliable generation, and at the same time becoming a more cruel and harsh and unkind society. But God would say to us that we must be both iron and wool. Let's pray for that this morning.
Lord, I thank you that you give us your word. And Lord, that your word corrects us and trains us and teaches us and challenges us. And Lord, this word lays us bare. It exposes our ignorance and our preconceptions. It reveals to us the way that we have been shaped by family, by time, by circumstance, by sin. But it doesn't leave us there. It builds us back up. It restores us. After it cuts away the garments that are weak and dirty, it covers us with grace and wisdom and righteousness. And Lord, I ask you that you would help us today to be veiled in the glory of God, to become what you've called us to be, people of iron and wool. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We'll start this morning with the iron. The iron. It says in Proverbs 27, verse 17, iron sharpens iron. In other words, this is a material that is capable of sharpening another piece of iron. In other words, they are equal. They're both men, but they're able to sharpen each other. They're able to help each other. They're able to deal with the bent edges. What is this quality that iron represents? Iron is hard. Amen? Iron is durable. And it can be shaped into something useful. And I say that's what God has made us to be. We may be soft. We may be pliable. and Not very durable and worn down easy. And we may feel very unuseful. But God would make us to be iron. Amen. God would make us to be hard. God would make us to be strong. And God would shape us into something useful if we will only allow him to. Amen? God will make us iron. But iron is something that has a purpose. Amen? It's a lot of work for iron. You have to mine the materials. You have to get it just right. You have to heat it. You have to beat it and shape it into the right shape. It requires a lot of work and a lot of effort. It's something that you would only do if there was a purpose behind it. And so we must find that God has a purpose for us in being hard. Amen? It says in Jeremiah 1, 18 to 19, Jeremiah 1, 18 to 19, God is speaking to Jeremiah, a very young man, and he's letting him know, I've got a purpose for your life. But this purpose will not be easy. It will not be comfortable. It will not be convenient. Everything of your life is going to be hard, and it's going to be hard for a long time. But I need you to know that I'm going to prepare you to endure it. Amen? Isn't this what God does? Jesus pulls no punches, right? He says to Peter, you're a young man. And when you were young, you put on your belt and your clothes and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, Peter, people are going to bind your hands and they're going to take you to places you don't want to go. You're going to die for me, Peter. But I'm going to make you hard. I'm going to prepare you suffering. I'm going to prepare you to endure so that you can accomplish what I want to do through your life. Amen? Jesus doesn't promise us ease. Amen? Jesus doesn't promise everything will be comfortable. Jesus doesn't say, those that would follow me, let him take up his pillow. 
and look for a bed. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Jeremiah 1, 18 and 19, he says, And behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. He says, Jeremiah, I just I want you to know, son, that I've got a purpose for you. I want to use you, but the time in which I chose to use you is a very hard time. It is the way that it is, Jeremiah. You were born in a season where the people of Israel are rebellious against the Lord and God has been patient with them for over 200 years promising judgment if they didn't repent and we are past the point of no return and Jeremiah, you're going to prophesy destruction and judgment and consequences for the sins of Israel. And everyone's going to hate you for it because everyone's going to want you to say, prophesy sweet things for us. Say nice things for us. Make us comfortable. Don't be doom and gloom. Don't be miserable. Things look bad enough already. And you're coming and saying, I know it looks like things are bad, but they're going to get worse. Well, who wants to talk to that guy, right? I mean, who's going to vote that guy to be the pastor of the church? He's going to be like, we got the two guys on the board, and this guy, everything he says is awful. I mean, just terrible. He just... Doom and gloom, terrible. And then this guy's like, have a winning smile today. God is on your side and everything's going to work out well. And the kingdom of God is peaches and cream. I mean, who do you want to listen to more, right? God says, not because ministry is awful or that we ought to be unkind, but this is the season that you're in, Jeremiah. This is the time that you live in when the word that must come is the word of judgment. And I'm letting you know that things are going to be hard for you. But I will make you like a fortified city. Walls of bronze. A pillar of iron. So that when people try to topple you and knock you over, you will be too sturdy for them to resist. God says, I'm going to make you into iron. Jeremiah is a young man. He's a very young man, probably a teenager at this point. He's a priest in the temple, and the priests of that day were notoriously corrupt. And so everyone he's surrounding himself with is a liar and a hypocrite and corrupt. And God comes to him and says, your environment is not a pleasant environment, and it's not an easy environment to do what's right. But I want you to know, I'm going to strengthen you so that you'll be able to stand going to make you iron. And I say to you today, I'm not doom and gloom. I don't think our day is as dire as Jeremiah's. I don't think we're as awful as Jeremiah's. But we're in an easy time. We're in an easy time. And how many, have heard, how many of you have heard this statement? Good men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times, right? And we're at the period now of good times and weak men. And we're getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And so, 
those who are left to rebuild society when people have been weak or the people who are willing to stay what felt like unnecessarily hard and unnecessarily strong, right? It is those who look like they're preparing for war in times of peace. Well, why are you doing that? Why are you working so hard? Why are you trying to stay so so strong? Why are you trying to be formidable? Because we may never be attacked in our time, but someone's got to stick around to know how to fight in the good times so that when the times of war come, somebody can teach those who will have to fight. Amen? Friday, I was at the gas station. I was in a hurry. I was trying to make it to Baton Rouge to um, go for a uh, wedding rehearsal that I did yesterday. And so I'm in a hurry. I'm trying to run and hurry. Anytime you got to cross I-10, you're like, I want to be three hours early, right? Because you never know what's going to happen. So I'm <coughs> walking, trying to get out, and I run into this older man, and he asked me where um, where a certain hotel was, and I say, well, sir, I don't know, but I can help you help you look it up, try to find it. We start talking, and the man ends up telling me that he is a Korean veteran. And I just tell him that I'm thankful for his service, and that he begins to tell me all about his life and his history, and all of a sudden, I didn't need to cross the bridge so bad. If I was a little late, they could deal with it, right? Because I've got something very rare standing in front of me. This is a former uh, airborne army ranger. Someone that served on what they call strike force. And someone that did tours in Egypt or missions in Egypt and Africa and tours in North Korea. And as he begins to tell me things about his generation and his time, I realize I know nothing about that, right? I mean, this is the bunny talking to the wolf, right? I mean, I'm just going, you know, I'm not on your level, but I realize that as a society... There is something about the quality of man that you are that is needed in our time and is missing. And I just listen. I just listen to him talk to me. And underneath this small, frail, 87-year-old man's frame is a lion. A hard man. A durable man. That I realize, man, this is, this is a quality of man that is lost. It's lost on our day. And so what I begin to realize about him is, man, our country is where it is in its comfortable time because of men like that. But when we need men like that again, no one will be around to remember what they were like. Right? And so in our day and age, it is easy to not be iron because who needs iron? Right? Who needs bulletproof rests in River Ranch, right? Who needs to be that hard and durable? But I say to you that we need a quality of strength and hardness in our hearts, in our minds, in our character. Amen? How many of you remember that David not only survived, but thrived and became the mighty man of valor that he was, when he was on the run for 15 years being chased by Saul. It wasn't until things were convenient and comfortable and easy that he walked out on the roof of his house when other kings went off to war and he said, you know, I've been doing this war thing for a long time and it's just time for a little rest, a little comfort, a little ease, a little 
living for me and putting my guard down. And then the man who was off fighting the war, ready to die for king and country, had his wife summoned into David's house, seduced and either slept with or raped, depending on how you interpret the gentle language and the veiled way that they deal with those statements about what David did with Bathsheba. It was in the comfort and the ease that he fell and became a weak man. He became a weak man. The man that was still able to fight other soldiers and to kill kings was weak under temptation. Iron can be hard, shaped for a purpose, but it must also be maintained. Amen? It must be maintained. Because we're never done growing. You say, well, the Lord has done something in my life to harden me and shape me and make me useful. But are you staying useful? It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. I remember watching a documentary about these big wood red uh, redwood trees in California, and, uh, these guys who would you know chop these logs and do this work, and of course with the large trees they used these massive uh, massive saws. But when they got down to the branches and different things, sometimes they would uh, use an axe, and they picked out one particular guy that was just faster than everybody else, and he would just chew through all of these these trees. And at the end of the day, his, his count was so high, but he would constantly disappear off the camera for a while. And they asked him what he was doing. And he said, every branch that he cut, he would stop and sharpen the edge of his axe. And everybody else thinks, well, I'm not going to stop and do that. I'm going to continue to be productive over and over and over again and get the job done. But they're constantly having to strike harder and harder and harder because the edge is dull. And so he says, you've got to maintain that edge. How do we do that? He says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We must not only seek to be made into something useful, we must seek to maintain our usefulness by allowing others to speak into our lives. This requires healthy conflict and the challenging of your character and opinions. You know what happens when iron sharpens iron? Sparks fly, right? And I think that's probably the reason why he uses the particular analogy of iron sharpening iron because there are other materials that you can sharpen iron with, maybe even that are better. But the point is, it's an awful mess, and it doesn't look comfortable because sparks fly when you sharpen iron with iron. And so it is much easier for God to correct me because when God points out flaws in me, there's nothing in him for me to go, yeah, but you're doing this and you're doing that. and you don't Like I can just go, well, you're perfect. You got the right to do it. So convict me. But let you convict me. Well, who are you to say to me? Right? Sparks fly. It's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. I know this about you. And you're going to say this to me? But you have the right. Amen? You have the right. 
Just because you got a few dings in your blade doesn't mean you don't get to sharpen mine. Hey, come on, I'm preaching now. To sharpen a blade, you must use a material with an equal or greater level, greater level of hardness. So if we wish to be sharpened, we must surround ourselves with people who are also made of iron. Amen? you got to surround yourself with people who are also made of iron. Amen? you got to be around people who are also hard. Amen? You can be around people who are not as hard as you, but realize you will be doing most of the sharpening in that relationship. But you've got to seek to be around people that are wiser than you, godlier than you, have more character than you, and are willing to confront you. Amen? This is, I didn't realize it. Hey, but this worked out pretty good. There's another pitch for home groups. Amen? So you need to get in relationship with people that can sharpen you, that can confront you, that can say, man, you play a mighty good church game on Sunday morning. Woo! I mean, just... A1 all-star right there. Look at that worship. Look how you cry. Woo! But how you talk to your wife. Amen? Come on. And so we've got to be willing to be around people that can challenge us and make us uncomfortable and let the sparks fly. Amen? And say things that we don't like. Part of this weakness is that there is easy offense. Amen? One way to know that you are not the iron that you need to be is that iron cannot sharpen you. I don't care how sharp your knife is, you can't sharpen jello. Amen? And if people cannot confront you and say hard things that you don't like, and deal with your character and your opinions and your attitude, you are not iron. Amen? You are jello. Amen? You're jello because you can't be confronted. You can't be talked to. You can't be dealt with. Being iron is not being perfect. It's being willing to be challenged. Amen? Being willing to be challenged. And so we must be iron. We must be hard. We must have strength of character and we must be durable. We must be shaped for a purpose and useful in the hand of God and we must be willing to be maintained by being sharpened by the other and also you have to maintain it not just by sharpening but if you want to present, prevent rust you have to oil it. Amen? And so you need your brother in your life to sharpen you but also you need the work of the Holy Ghost in, the, in your life to keep you from rotting away. Amen? To keep you from being weakened and disintegrated. You need the Spirit of God in your heart giving you love and grace and joy and peace and mercy in your life. Amen? You need the oil. But we must not only be the iron, we must also be the wool. Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This quality of meekness is the quality that Jesus identified himself with. Amen? He says, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you 
rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I am gentle. I am able to be careful with you. The analogy here of taking my yoke upon you is that of a double yoke. Amen? A double yoke for oxen. And the point is not just that Jesus as a farmer has a yoke for you to take upon yourself, but that he says, I am yoked with you and you will enter into that and together we will labor and you will labor under my strength and my guidance. Amen? When you want to train a young ox or a young bull to pull the plow, you put it in the yoke with the older experienced ox that knows what it's doing. Amen? So that it can temper the younger bull or the younger ox. And it can show it not only how to pull, or not only when to pull, but how to pull. Because the young man, just like the young ox, wants to just run headlong and push through, right? Has no wisdom, no experience. That's good. You need the strength of the young ox. But also you need the wisdom, the guidance, and the direction. Well, we are not the young ox. We not only lack the strength, but also the wisdom. And so Jesus says, I offer to you, I lend to you my strength to help you carry the load. To be righteous and to do the things that I've called you to do. But also to lead and guide you. But I want you to know, even though I'm stronger than you, I'm not going to be dragging you behind me. Right? <laughs> You're just yoked in, weak, just dragged along, and I'm just yanking you through the field. He says, I want you to know that I'm meek and lowly. I can be gentle with you. We can go at your pace. We can move at your speed. I'm not here to drag you along, but how to teach you how to pull and to labor under this responsibility to live for the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus says of himself. He says, I have strength, but it's a controlled strength. It's a gentle strength that is able to accommodate for your weakness. Amen? So I will both lend you my strength to make up for your weakness and be gentle with your weakness. This is meekness. Amen? This is meekness. And this is the definition of the word meek. It is controlled strength. One definition is this. It is velvet-covered steel. I like that. Velvet-covered steel. There is hardness there, but it is capable of being gentle and soft. To be meek is not to be powerless or harmless. One commentary explains that this misconception was prevalent even in Jesus' time when it says this. In general, the Greeks considered meekness a vice because they failed to distinguish it from servility. That is to say, a, a person who doesn't want to offend anyone, they don't want to get anybody upset, they just bow to every person's opinion and idea. That is to say that they thought was meekness was the disposition of those who did not have the stomach to resist, disappoint, offend, or have conflict with people that would oppress or harm them. But this is a handicapped definition of the word. The meek are not those who are incapable of doing harm. It is not a virtue to do no harm if a person is incapable of doing harm. 
No one would praise a hamster for restraining itself from mauling a child because it's incapable of doing it, right? You go, you know, can, can, you, go, you go over to someone's house and they've got a little hamster and you're like, is it gentle? Is it soft? Can my child pet it? Oh, this is such a gentle hamster. <laughs> That's the definition of a hamster, right? I mean, they're, they're incapable of doing severe harm. That's not a virtue, right? You don't praise it. Oh, you wonderful, gentle hamster, you, right? Just you women flattering your husbands. You're such a hamster, right? You're so gentle with me. Like, man, wow, what a compliment, right? You're a hamster, my big, strong hamster. <laughs> starting fights in here. Somebody's going to go home and say that to their husband and we're going to have to do marriage counseling. (laughs) People wouldn't praise a hamster for being harmless, but people do praise those species of dogs which are bred to defend families and homes and yet have a sweet and gentle disposition towards children. For example, German shepherds are known as police dogs and military service dogs, both for sniffing out bombs and for taking down attackers. They are large, strong, agile, and capable of doing terrible damage with their teeth and claws. And yet, they have the reputation as being dogs that if they are introduced to children when they are still a puppy and are properly trained, that they will be incredibly gentle towards them and ferociously defend them even with their life. Right? And that's why they praise it. And that's why you go to someone's yard and there's a two-year-old playing in the yard and there's a German shepherd. And it pulls its hair and it knocks it over and it pulls on its ears. And that dog's probably not having the best time, but you know that that dog has been trained to know this is a baby, you be gentle with the baby. But you walk into that yard with a baseball bat. Right? It's not going to be the best day of your life. This is a good illustration of meekness. It is not weakness, but controlled strength. The meek are those who are capable of forcing their will upon others and yet wish never to do so. The meek spend time hardening, strengthening, and fortifying themselves so that they are ready to fight at the drop of a hat but would rather seek a hundred diplomatic solutions before having to do so. They are ready for war, but they want peace. That is meekness. Amen? I know people who talk about home defense, self-defense, or they shoot guns, or they do stuff, and the way they talk is if they, they almost wish someone would break into their home. Right? They're wishing someone would break in and they would get a chance. Right? And they would probably die because they're going to spend more time trying to pick one of their 98 guns to use rather than seeking to actually defend their family. They're like, Ooh, do I want the rifle? Do I want the pistol? Do I want to tase them first? Like, what? And they're just looking for an opportunity. They want conflict. I wish somebody would start a fight with me. Is there character in that? Is that admirable? Is that being the person that God wants someone to be? That is not being a shepherd. This is the way that Jesus is portrayed as a shepherd. Amen? And what does the psalmist say in Psalm 23? He says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
rod and the staff. The staff was used for leading and guiding, and it was the gentle tool that the shepherd would use to guide the sheep and direct the sheep, to pull it out of harm's way, to rescue it from danger, and to show it the way that it should go. But the rod was for beating away the wolves. Amen? And so it desired peace. It wasn't a wolf hunter. It wasn't a lion hunter. It, was some, it wasn't somebody that made their money going out and killing lions and getting the pelt. They weren't looking for conflict. They were people that were trying to take care of that which was gentle and incapable of defending itself. And they were ready to use incredible force and violence to defend it. But they would do everything they could to avoid that conflict. Right? And this is meekness. That we need to be hard people because the world is full of wolves and lions. Amen? We need to be hard in our faith because the word of the Lord says that even the devil is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood but powers and principalities. And so in our faith and our walk with God, our character and resenting temptation, we need hardness. Durability, strength that is not easily broken and led into temptation. We need wills that are strong. Amen? Wills that are strong. We need hearts that are strong. Personalities that are strong. I remember one of the men I worked for when I was in North Carolina. He was the sweetest, nicest guy you'd ever want to talk to. Just polite, kind, good guy. But the people that went into his office usually came out crying. And the funny thing was, one particular guy that I worked with had a big mouth and he talked a lot. and He was aggressive and he wanted to agitate the management. He wanted to say, I wish you would, right? I'm on the union, you can't fire me. And I remember, I remember sitting in the break room and him talking about a conflict that he had with this man. And literally this guy broke down crying. And he said, he, he didn't even raise his voice. He didn't yell at me. He just told me. And, he, and just very simply, sternly, directly said, if you do that again, you're going to get fired. And he yelled and cursed at him and did all this talking. Do you have that out of your system? I need you to make sure that you don't do that again. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm, I'm like 21 years old. This guy's 35, wife and kids, college educated, big talker. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's going to, Burn the place down. He's sitting in the break room whimpering. <laughs> the guy didn't lose his cool. He didn't get angry. He didn't yell at him. He just had a hardness about him that was able to say, I will give you respect even though you're not acting very respectable, but you will not do this again. Right? It was justice and mercy. It was able to say, I won't back down, but I will be strong and I will be gentle. Right? This is both. This is the way that Paul acted in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 21, when he says to the Corinthians, he, he's talking about how they mock him and they say, oh, he is strong in his letters, but when he is weak, he, when he's with us, he is weak. And he says to them, you want me to come with a rod or in gentleness and in love? Like, have you read Galatians? Bro, we will light this place up. Right? I will deal with you. Right? I mean, just in, in some of Paul's letters, you read it and he's this tender, 
gentle, caring man. And he writes Galatians, and it's like, clack, clack. And you're like, whoa, Paul, what's going on? What are you doing, right? Just strong, assertive. I would that those who trouble you would be cut off. Get them out of the church. Paul had both a soft heart and a firm hand. But being a man of mature godliness, he also had a sharp mind to know which one was needed and a will of steel to not back down from using whichever was necessary. Amen? This is meekness. This is meekness. The ability to be careful and soft and gentle and self-controlled. And often, when weak people begin to try to be hard, they act hard at inappropriate times, right? How many of you have seen a young man, he starts to become a man, he starts to assert himself and not back down, I need to stand up for myself, and then a few times he gets a little froggy and he leaps before he should and he's trying, he's just trying to not be soft, right? And it's like, he's almost trying to start a fight and you're like, come on man, you don't, you don't need to do that. But he's trying. Maybe he's a little silly, but he's trying, and he's growing, and he's learning. But we need to both be the iron. We need to be the hard, the stiff, and the stern. But we need to be capable of being gentle. We need to be capable of that with our wives, with our children, with our family. This is what children need in training, isn't it? I remember when I first started training my children, I just wanted to be hard. I wanted them to know that no matter how hard-headed they were, I would be infinitely harder. Right? I wanted them to know that you will, not, you will not find a way around me. Right? I am the mountain of granite. You are the ant. And you can bang your head against it all you want, but you will not break me. I, I won't give up right? because I won't be manipulated. Right? And that's, that's good. And I see men with their daughters, and I think, man, the way you're raising her, man, by the time she's a teenager... You're in trouble. But I didn't have enough meekness. I was, I was too hard and not gentle enough. And the way that I trained them was not helping. And I realized I need to change the way that I talk to my children. I need to be firm. I need to be disciplined. I need to refuse to be manipulated. But what I'm doing is not being a good trainer. I'm being harsh. I'm being unkind. I'm being abusive with my words. Because my goal was not to train gently and teach them. It was to force submission. And what I saw coming down the road is my children may learn to obey me, but they're learning to cower in fear. And I don't want them to cower in fear because when they become adults, they won't know how to stand up for themselves. And so I want to be able to gently teach them right for wrong. Amen? How many of you have been blessed enough to learn that as a parent, that not every conflict is a reason for war, right? I'm, I'm trying, my bro, my bro, I'm trying to learn that not everything is a reason to fight, right? That it doesn't have to be, no, it will be my way. You know what? Sometimes my children need to get their way. Sometimes I need to lead them into getting their way in a healthy way, not a wrong way. We need to both be the iron and the wool. We need to be capable of resisting temptation, standing up for ourselves, and doing what's right. And we need to be capable of being the most gentle, soft thing on the face of the earth, tender and kind. 
And in this way, we will be like Jesus. Because that is Jesus, isn't it? I mean, the one that said, you're trying to crucify me. If I wanted, I could call thousands and thousands of angels to come and kill all of you. All of you. And yet to Judas the devil, I will get on my hands and my knees. Take off my outer garments. I'll wrap myself in a towel like a servant. And I'll wash your feet. And I know that you'll never repent. You'll never... You're not going to stop. You're not going to seek to love me and be faithful to me the way that you should. And yet I will be tender and merciful towards you in your sin. That is Jesus. Amen? But the word of the Lord also says that when he comes back, he's not coming back riding a donkey. Amen? He's coming back and out of his mouth will proceed a sharp two-edged sword and with it he will slay the nations. bring judgment and justice. And so let us seek to be like Jesus. Gentle protectors. Hard men, hard women who are capable, kind, soft-spoken, and gentle with those that need it. Amen? Our society is increasingly becoming soft and weak while it is also becoming more aggressive, oppressive, and cruel. Let us be people who are becoming more and more iron and weak. Amen. I ask you this morning if you'll pray with me. Lord, we desire, we desire to be like you. We desire strength. Lord, we desire wills of iron. We desire that we would not give in to temptation. We would not cower before threats and the opinions of people. Lord, that we would not be persuaded or feel judged by the court of public opinion. Lord, that we would have the confidence in Christ to be who we are and to stand in that identity. And to do and to say what God has commanded us to do. And to resist all the pull and sway of this world. We ask you, Lord, make us like Jeremiah, pillars of iron. Let us be like you, gentle, meek, and lowly in heart, capable of not being offended, of being gentle even towards sinners, of doing justice, to seek to restore and not just to punish, to seek to train those who would be shown what is right and what is wrong, and let us sharpen one another. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, we love you. We appreciate you.